This is part two to a listener question on the Holy Spirit. If you haven't listened to part one, check it out. If you have, welcome back and enjoy. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. And it came to pass, verse 108, that they all did begin to cry under the voice of him which had shook the earth. Yea, they did cry even until the cloud of darkness was dispersed. So they're sitting there all calling out to God, to, to Jesus. You know, maybe it was in their memory. They had heard these other missionaries and they had rejected their words. But all of a sudden the darkness is dispersed. And it came to pass when they cast their eyes about and saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them. Behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. So all of a sudden the darkness is replaced with light, right? I mean, flames too, right? But then Lehi and Nephi in the midst of them encircled, you know, and they were filled with joy, which is unspeakable and full of glory. So this this process goes from being in terrible torment and fear to calling on Jesus until they had faith, and this brings an immediate change. The, the, there's light, there's fire, there's unspeakable joy and glory. And now, and now to these unbaptized prison guard Lamanites who were moments away from killing Lehi and Nephi, now it says this, and behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts. And they were filled as if with fire. So the fire was around them physically, in a sense, and now the fire is within them spiritually, and they could speak forth marvelous words. So the same thing in Acts 10. They magnified God. They spoke, it says, in tongues. These marvelous words all of a sudden show that something changed in them, in their heart and in their soul. You know, before they were breathing out threatenings, and now they're speaking marvelous words. But but then the voice continues. And it came to pass that there was a voice into them, a pleasant voice, if it were as a whisper, saying, Peace be unto you because of my well-beloved, which was from the foundation of the world. Now, the story doesn't end there because what what ends up happening to these people is, and, and it's like we can't miss this part here where it talks about this whisper that had you know, spoken to them and now it's speaking to them now. It says this in verse uh, 112. He says, Peace be unto you because of my your faith and my well-beloved from the foundation of the world. And now when they heard this, they, they cast their eyes up to behold from whence the voice came. And um, 
and then the heavens open and angels come down and minister. And all these people, it says, go out and they begin to minister to the people, declaring through all the regions everything they had heard. So these people hadn't been water baptized, but notice, I want to back this up to verse 11, and this is the point, I think I kind of skipped over it. The Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts. And they were, and, and so when that moment happens, it's not just that they were they had an encounter with God, but Jesus mentions this very moment in time when he arrives on the scene, so to speak, in the third book of Nephi, chapter four, uh, verse 50. This is one of my my favorite go-to scriptures because he mentions this very encounter. And he mentions this in this context. He says, whoso cometh to me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, that's everything the Lamanites just did. Him will I baptize with fire and the Holy Ghost, even as the Lamanites, which Lamanites? These ones in Helaman chapter 2, because of their faith in me at the time of their conversion, were baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost. And then it says, and they knew it not. And they knew it not. And those those last five words, and they knew it not, always jumped out at me because I was like, how did they not know? But yet they were. They you see, because that's what Helaman, uh, the verse uh, one eleven says. The Holy Spirit did come down, and they were speaking these marvelous words. It entered in their heart, but it abided with them. And then it says these people did go about three hundred people declared throughout all the regions round about the things they had heard, and they were convinced to lay down their weapons of war and hatred and traditions of their fathers. See, this is the evidence that they were baptized by the Holy Ghost because it wasn't just this one moment thing. They changed their whole culture. They, it says they laid down their weapons of war and their hatred, right? You know, when when we look at um, at the Old Testament and the sacrifices of animals laid on the altar, you know, we were talking just recently about what the blood means. Well, there's there's another important aspect, and, and this is just, I was reading something this week and it clicked. When we, it's it's interesting that the, the requirement was to lay an animal down because on that altar and kill it, because what God is ultimately doing is saying, hey, don't kill, don't put an animal on there. Put the animal within you, right? Put the Put that hard-hearted, that hatred, that that animal instinct that makes you want to be carnal and sinful and devilish, that's what's got to be sacrificed on the altar, right, when we come to Jesus. And this is, this is the evidence in the Lamanites. They laid down their weapons of war. I mean, that was their culture was to kill and to hate, and also their hatred and the tradition of their fathers. And and so, and, and the story goes on from this moment in time begins the culture where the Nephites, when the Lamanites became better than the Nephites. And from that culture, you get people like Samuel the Lamanite, who now returned to the Nephites, preaching to these people who had become wicked, and they're throwing stones at them. It's like, get the this is dirty Lamanite out of here. No, their hearts had all been changed in their culture. And, and this is coming back now to not just this example of, again, people being baptized with the Holy Ghost before water. I'm sure they were baptized in water later. It doesn't really give that account. But the most important thing we can't we can't minimize is that the Holy Ghost has to be present in us for the change to take place. And and while God's Spirit might be with us to lead us and to help us to judge, He wants it was with those Lamanites 
in the prison before the fire came down. It was already given them to judge. They were just making bad judgments. The point was the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, is something magnificently greater in proportion and capability and ability within us, I think. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for words because we're, again, humans trying to describe something beyond this world. But that's, that's what God wants us to have. And that's why he says, hey, whoever comes to me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, I'll baptize you. So, so this question that our, our listener asks about, okay, well, is it enough to say God's spirit's with me but I never was confirmed or had the gift of the Holy Ghost? Y- you can answer that a bunch of ways. You can say, you know, there's a, yeah, baptism's entering at the gate. And maybe God already blessed you with the Holy Ghost and you didn't even know it, but the chances for that are you would know it if it happened, right? You you would just you'd know. And if you're wondering, well, maybe there's your answer too, because the whole point is that God did give the Holy Ghost when He wanted to people whose hearts were changed in the moment, even when they didn't ask for it. These Lamanites, well, they were told you got to call upon Jesus, and then when you do, the darkness is removed, and then God will fill that darkness with light. He'll do that for every one of us, but. At the same time, we've got to realize that we have to ask for it, and normally it's the part of the process that we teach. When you come to Jesus, you'll be baptized in water, and you'll be given this gift of the Holy Ghost. We're just going add to add it to it. But we don't always emphasize, but no, you've got to desire this. And with that desire comes this filling, right? And, and whether you asked for it or not or you have it, it's there. Sometimes it's just almost, uh, I don't want to say dormant because that's, a, that's more of our human words, but, but it can be activated when we, at any point in our life, when we really have that desire to change. Yeah, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say when, when God's church is organized, when the priesthood is present, that, that there's a pattern and a, a way of doing things, being baptized and having the hands laid on your head. But I certainly would never limit God to working with people in other areas at different times, even at this time where if their desire is to serve him, that you know he's he's come down and and gifted them with that portion of the spirit where they've done amazing things for him. I'm thinking of the heavenly man in that book we read. Exactly. Um, if you're thinking that that man didn't have the Holy Spirit, well, then there wasn't any way that he did anything because he had to have had the Spirit. So it's like it's like God. I, I kind of like it. It's like God gives us a pattern and He shows us how to do things. And then he himself at times steps out of that pattern, almost just to remind us, like, by the way, it's about me. I'm God, and you're following me. It's not about your own work and exactly. and, and becoming righteous on your own. So yeah. just just remember the source, and, and my ways are higher than yours. I'll do what I do. And it's interesting because I always thought that too. You know, maybe maybe God does something different. But the other way to look at it is, Maybe we always thought we knew the pattern, right. and then he's saying, "Okay, <laughs> that's exactly right. Here's the real pattern, right? Right? right. You know, whoever comes to me, I'm going to baptize with the Holy Ghost." Uh, a little snippet out of my life because I was raised kind of with the same upbringing that you know. Uh, this is why I said, "Hey, you know, authority." That's this is one of these things where it's like it opens up questions that I I wish personally I felt like there was more answers to because of of course I know how we have been brought up to consider authority since, you know, 1830 and the reestablishment of the church. And and by certain historical accounts and words, maybe from the Doctrine and Covenants, you know, you, you get a pretty cut and dry view of what authority is and what it is not. But at the same time, 
I, I wish I wish there was more coming from the Book of Mormon, and it could just be my lack of understanding here because Jesus gives authority to the disciples in the in Jerusalem, you know, to baptize. He gives authority here to baptize, and it's not specifically done by okay, you're only of the house of Judas or you're only of Levi, right? You know, so it's like it wasn't done by lineage, of course. It, it, people over here were of Joseph, right? But but more to the point, how does that authority confer when when the disciples come to Jesus? And they encounter someone casting out devils and they say, Hey, this guy wasn't part of our club. Right. And he was doing these things. And Jesus' response is, Hey, if he's not against us, he's for us. You know, and he doesn't, we don't get any more to the story in that. I kind of wish we did because you wonder who that person was. Uh, because in our, I, I heard a man not long ago conclude, and I'm not saying I agree with this. He was just saying, well, of course, whoever it was had to have come in at some point in time and been baptized by one of the disciples because they were the only ones with authority. Now, this was this man's opinion because he just saw, hey, it can only happen this way. But what if what if God had blessed other people we don't have the account of? Or what if this guy was a, uh, a Nephite who got on a boat and came back over to Jerusalem just because he wanted to see Jesus in the flesh? I mean, I'm being extreme here, and this is just, you know, my more more of not just in jest, but just as an example. We don't know who this person could be, but yet Jesus didn't condemn what works they were doing in his name, even though the disciples around him didn't understand. And so when we talk about authority, um, like Jesus confers it upon the disciples in the Americas. Three of them choose to abide on the earth, we believe, from the story. And so I would imagine their authority to baptize still exists. Let me let me be real specific for for a reason here to to jab a little bit. So if one of those three disciples baptized someone today, they show up on a street and they baptize them and they say, "Hey, I'm baptizing you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by authority given me of Jesus Christ two thousand years ago." Are which churches are and are not going to recognize that baptism, right? Because well, you weren't baptized into the club that we're part of, right? I mean, we we take it to those extremes. I hate to even bring that up. But right. you know what I mean, right? So, so I don't know. I mean, just on that, what what would you do? What do you say? Well, maybe he must have had authority, right? Because Jesus gave him authority, right? Yeah, and remember, we're you're being baptized, you know, into the body of Christ. You're being baptized unto God. You're being born again by the Holy Spirit. That's your, you know, that's your spiritual father, the Holy Spirit. You're being born again of the Spirit. You're not being baptized into a church name and so that's that's the i think the thing to also keep in mind yeah um you're one if you're one in the spirit not if you're one in the the address of the congregation you go to because of that congregation you're one in the spirit as your heart is born again and changed to resemble christ that's what makes us one the more we resemble christ the more one we are and you know to me it comes back to this this mystery which you know, every time I read about these things and, and consider it, I, I sort of see it in a new way that it comes back to, I think, foundationally, were we baptized by the Holy Ghost with that change of heart? Because God can do that for anyone. We've demonstrated that in Scripture, whether they've even acknowledged it or not. And in his eyes, he counts that worthy. He's the one who says, hey, whoever comes to me like these Lamanites did, I'll do it to you too, right? And so we we can't be limited in our judgment. And, you know, it opens up for people in the restoration, sticky subjects that we'd rather not discuss to say, well, 
so is the real point that someone was baptized by the Holy Ghost, and how do we know that? Because it's a lot easier to say, show me your pedigree that tells me that you were baptized by, you know, brother A, B, or C, and then mm-hmm. I'll know it was okay. And it's like, when the real point isn't maybe even that part of the water baptism, and this is where I might, I don't want to offend any listeners, but I'm like, I don't know if that's so much the point of it versus... I mean, and I'm not disagreeing with the church's stance on this. You know, hey, we do have authority. I believe that 100%. But I'm just saying, is is that the whole point of the authority, or is it more the authority to bestow the Holy Ghost and that God can do it too? And the real question to me kind of comes down to, is it quite the question of water baptism as much as it is the question of heart baptism? And well, I think, yeah, if someone showed up on the scene, and, and I think it would be like in the scriptures, we say, this person's got the Holy Spirit. Let's right. baptize them with water. There's yes. no, of course, we don't really demand fruits meet for repentance anymore. That's it seems the point. Like. We I don't. Mean, well, anyway, it's different. <laughs> well, so it is. And so years ago, I was going to say, I was at a conference. My wife and I attended um, some, uh, it was like a focus on the family weekend event or something like that. And, and this woman who, um, I think she was fairly well known in the, in the Christian community, but was speaking, she was one of the guest speakers. And boy, when I listened to her speak and it wasn't like she was delivering a sermon, she was just, just delivering kind of a, a message of encouragement to people. I just kept feeling the spirit thrill me. And at the time, and this is many years ago, it, it concerned me. I, I concerned, I, I had questions like, Lord, how can this person be speaking with, power that I've felt only in times when I felt like I was in the full presence of God speaking directly, like in a congregation, the full presence of the spirit. Like I'm just going to say in our congregations at times when we were really on our best behavior and felt like God was speaking directly, you know, and you felt this thrill of the spirit. I was feeling the same thrill of the spirit in this conference here in this woman. And I don't think I was being deceived. And I, because I prayed about it and I'm like, Lord, I just want to understand this. And he said, she's been baptized by the Holy Ghost, right? And so whether or not it was something that came through what I deemed as authority, the fruit was present, right? The, the, way, the way she spoke and glorified God was not uh, anything but righteous and pure and powerful. And so, and I just, in that moment, it just caused me to wonder because I realized, I don't think I see the picture. I don't think I've been brought up to see the full picture, right? And I wanted to understand what it means to have the Holy Ghost and to give it. And and so I've still got questions about this, you know, regarding authority and everything, because it seems like God plays with a larger rule book than we than we sometimes acknowledge in this. I I like that there's still questions. I'm I'm glad there's a baseline thought that God loves every person equally in this whole entire world and even though we may not admit that, I, I feel like myself anyway, growing up in the church, I felt like I had maybe a one-up on the rest of human beings because I was in the true church quote. And um, do you really want to worship a God that favors someone? I want to worship a God that loves the person on the other side of the sea that maybe doesn't belong to the true restoration church. And I want to believe that God has his eye on that person and is um, giving them every opportunity and every gift that he would give to me to help us all be with him in his kingdom. I mean, yeah. that's the, yeah. I want to, we're, we're almost out of time. Oh, I'm I wanna, not going to let you touch that button yet, Mike. You can't touch the music <laughs> button. He's trying guys. Don't let him. I want to, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask two things. Maybe you have this in your, um, in your notes or where you were going, but in Genesis, 
it talks about the comforter of the Holy Spirit. And in John 15 or 17, Jesus talks about, you know, I must go um, so that the comforter can come. Do you have anything on that, Corey, or anything to speak to on that? I'm trying to think. I can see my Bible a long time ago in Genesis where I wrote out some of the works of the Holy Spirit early on um, and why we have it. But that's clear back at the very beginning there was a purpose, and Adam understood that. Um, unfortunately, I don't have that Bible in front of me right now yeah, to see those it's notes. It's all good. Um, you know, so in, in that context um the comforter it's it's interesting because uh you can tie this into a a lot of different meanings jesus says at one point he says um hey i need to leave so that this comforter will come and he'll abide with you then in another place he says he he refers to the comfort comforter and he says i will abide with you he he kind of like equates the comforter with himself which is beautiful because it gets back to what the book of mormon teaches when God introduces himself to the brother of Jared after touching the stones, said, hey, the body you see is the body of my spirit. And this is this is going to – you got to put that hand down. Mike's giving me that we're running out of time. No, no, so. I have a – no, I wanted to read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, good good deal. In, in, in Genesis, you know, it talks about the water. You're keeping the commandment, the spirit justified, blood sanctified. It talks about the comforter. It says it, it's the record of heaven. Yeah. I love that phrase. It is given to abide in you the record of heaven. What's a record, Corey, in this sense? What does that mean to you? Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> I, you, you know. The, <sighs> the record of heaven, the recordings, the. if Yeah, or is, it, is there a greater meaning in a word that we just don't quite capture? You know, was there something that was intended? Mm-hmm. Wow. Information about. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and an understanding of and it and it, the record of and and also you just wonder if there's like this code that kind of has to be written into our soul that yeah. enables our soul to return to God, right? This is one of those poetic languages. Listen to this. It's also described as so it's given to abide in you the peaceable things of immortal glory. Mm-hmm. It's given to abide in you the truth of all things. We talk about truth recently and in the news and with with the media, how hard it is right now to understand truth with all kinds of contradictions based on men and their desiring, conspiring purposes. There's no righteous purpose. And so truth is hard, but it's given to abide in you the truth of all things, that which quickeneth or which means maketh alive all things is given to abide in you. Everything, everything. That which knoweth all things is given to abide in you. Yeah. You know, there's so many examples, like even in Scripture says, hey, the Spirit will bring to mind things. And, you know, I, I just, it's true. I've been praying for that for my son who's taking a major test right now is that this Holy Spirit would bring things to your mind because that's part of this package, if you will, to use a, a limiting term that well, God offers, right, is, is all those things. Listen to this record of the first man that we have in Genesis in the inspired version. And it came to pass when the Lord had spoken these things to Adam about this thing, that Adam cried unto the Lord. He was caught away and was carried down by the Spirit of the Lord into the water, laid under the water, brought forth out of the water, and thus was baptized. And then the Spirit of God descended on him, and he was Born of the Spirit. Change it, right. And Born so, again. Change tart. Third Nephi 12, 33 is interesting because it adds to that same meaning. 
This is the commandment, repent all ye ends of the earth and come unto me. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Come unto me and be baptized in my name that ye may be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost that ye may stand spotless before me at the last day. So it implies that this, again, adding to the, the benefits of the Holy Ghost is that you've got to be sanctified by receiving this allows that change, right? It's, it, it, it's, it makes you change. And without it, you can't. And Adam heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth and ever. Mm-hmm. So when that baptism takes place, there's a record of the Father and Son. Um, so that's the part of the Godhead that is allowed to be within you that bears record of the Father in heaven and the Son who came down and took on flesh and blood. It's the third piece that's, and maybe that's why, you know, Jesus says, I have to go so the Comforter can abide in you, right? To, right. to abide in you. Yeah. You know, I, there, this touches on so many levels. I, I want to come back to our, our listener's question, and I want to kind of answer it in a, in a with a question that someone else asked recently, another friend who's who's trying to witness, but but I want to preface it this way. I, years ago, I had to take a lot of chemistry classes, and I and I it helped my faith because as I'd see these interactions of molecules and electrons and all these things, we'd learn about it, and as much as men were able to study and understand, it just increased my testimony of God that only only a magnificent Creator could have conceived of something like this. How could it just have happened? But what's interesting is that even on a chemical level, to take chemistry of any type of chemistry, which most people don't even want to discuss, they just eh, they don't enjoy that subject, something important happens. Every time two atoms interact, there's a, there's a physical change and there's an electrical change. There's an energy change. So there's, so there's something that happens with the physical aspect of it and there's something that happens with the energy and, and, and it always goes together. There's got to be both. Uh, you know, if, if two atoms form and make a new molecule or whatever, there was a physical connection and there was an electrical and, uh, energy connection. There's a parallel, I think, in even our baptism. And this is this record of heaven entering into us. There's this physical connection in water baptism and everything it represents, the death, the life, the rebirth, all that, the water even of, of birth. But we can't forget, it's just like in chemistry, it can't happen only with a physical connection. It's got to happen with the electrical connection. There's got to be the energy change, you know, the, the electrons that transfer and that bind those atoms together. If they don't do it, the thing won't stay together. And and so that's the God-spirit part of the equation, right? You know, when we have a physical water baptism, there's also got to be a spiritual baptism. It's the physical and the energy. And this record of heaven that you're talking about, it's so much more beyond our words to understand, but God is using in our limited minds ways of understanding that this record has to be in us, this sanctification, this process, this connection back to God. It's the only way the change happens. And if the change doesn't happen in our hearts, we're cast out. Well, a a friend who um, he and I have been just texting because he said, I'm sharing the gospel with a family and it's, it's a mom with a couple children and the, the, the boys are interested in learning about baptism, but she sort of feels like, well, she was baptized already, and what's the point? And he's like, how do you how do you talk to someone about that when that's their point? This also kind of comes back to our listener's question who asks, hey, well, I was baptized in water but not confirmed. 
is is that just a technicality or you know I'm I'm paraphrasing but well and I want to be clear I don't know that she's saying for herself yeah I think, yeah yeah I'm not putting that on her I think she just wanted to I think she had thoughts and she wanted us to discuss I'm not saying that she's questioning so be correct good point right 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 and so in a, in a similar situation though someone's saying well I I was baptized but you know I don't see any point of anything else and that baptism was in a different church well what I come back to is this um one is that you're entering at the gate has to be done with, I mean, when we look at all these scriptures, it has to be done with a desire to want to really change. And, and a lot of people are baptized. Just um, some people are baptized as an infant without even any knowledge of that. And baptism always has to couples sincere repentance, at least if we see what the scriptures in the book of Mormon council, but beyond that, it, it doesn't end there because we have to have this seed of God planted in us the Holy Ghost. And if someone says, well, I was baptized, I don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. We're just like these people. Um, oh, I didn't read the scripture. Uh, there's one more scripture in Alma. I'm sorry, not Alma, in the, in the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 19. Uh, let, let me get this one up real quick because it helps add a little to the context of this. So in Acts chapter 19, there's just a, a quick uh, story of, uh, let me just read the first couple of verses of this. Um, Paul, uh, apostles, uh, Apollos, Paul, different people, they were in Ephesus. Uh, this is where we get the book of Ephesians. They found disciples. They found people who were already following. And so um, Paul was and, and Apollos were in Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, Paul says to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, these people were baptized because it says disciples since you believed. And he says, and they, they said to him, so he's saying, Hey, have you received the Holy ghost? Their response, we have not so much heard as whether there be any Holy ghost. And in other words, this is new to us. We don't know what you're talking about. Now the day of Pentecost and all that stuff hadn't spread to everyone yet. Right now this is in the, I'm, uh, you can read this in the King James or in the inspired. It reads the same. Paul says to them, um, Unto then, what were you baptized? So he's saying, hey, tell me about your baptism. They said, unto John's baptism. Now, what's interesting here is that John, they're talking about is John the Baptist, the same who baptized Jesus. They said, hey, the people who are the disciples of John, because he had his own disciples too, right? They were out preaching and teaching, and they baptized people. And John had the story straight. He was leading them towards Christ. But they said, we got baptized by, by John's disciples, right? Or maybe John himself. But what's interesting is what Paul says. Paul says, yes, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that you should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, John did everything right. He, he taught you about repentance. He said, come to Christ. But then he says this, and when they heard this, um, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He has them Rebaptized now? Why? It's 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 the same in the Book of Mormon, and I don't know how we're doing on time. Maybe we're a little over, but this oh, I think this one's just going to be a longer episode. But this is important because there's this unanswered question here. Verse five says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then what happens is as Paul laid his hands on them. And the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And there was about 12 people, it says. Well, this is an interesting story because these people who were already baptized by John, 
Paul baptizes them again in the name of Jesus, even though John was leading them to Jesus. Now it's like, what's up with that? And then he says, he gives them the Holy Ghost. So it's like, how is this getting answered? Well, one thing is when Jesus comes to the Nephites, he explains, he said, I make all things new. He said, old covenants are done away. And, and I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think historically it bears record, the people who were alive under the Old Testament laws up until the point of Jesus' death and resurrection, when he was alive again, all the covenants were made new. Those people who lived in that day were rebaptized, And we get evidence of this, and it comes from the Book of Mormon. When in the third book of Nephi, in chapter 3, and there's hundreds of examples. I mean, we have people being baptized back in Alma's day, right? But just prior to Jesus, it says in 3 Nephi 3, verse 69, there were ordained of Nephi men under this ministry that all such should come unto them should be baptized with water. So Nephi, in the the years prior to Jesus introducing himself in the Americas, is ordaining people to, to baptize. And they're baptizing thousands. It talks about thousands coming to Christ, Lamanites, Nephites. But when Jesus comes to the people here in America, what does he do? He, he calls forth the people, the multitude, and he gets Nephi, the very one who was ordaining others, and he's baptized. And then again, and then he baptizes his disciples, and the, the disciples go out and baptize everyone else again. Why? Because in that time period of life, I believe it's because when the covenant was made new, they made a new covenant in baptism. And these people who had already had some understanding of the Holy Ghost, now they get the Holy Ghost in a huge way that the fire comes down around them. But but the point, the, the greater point is this. How does it mean, what does it mean in our day? Is that, you know, there are baptisms out there, but if you don't have that change of heart, that's the thing you got to ask God. And then if you've thought, well, I was baptized somewhere else, but I don't know really what it meant. God invites you to make the covenant of baptism because you want to repent and want to change. And then he couples with that this ability to receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's where we believe the church has been restored to bestow that authority, just like it was in their day. And so Nephi and these people who were already baptized, they're baptized again, and they get power given to them to go out and convert everyone again, but they do it you know, times 100 with, with this new gift of this Holy Ghost they've got. So anyhow, I just want to bring that up, um, that historically, you know, we saw people rebaptized, but again, we've got to understand that that was because the covenant was old and then it was made new. But in our day, we have people who don't really understand what baptism means. And I'm, I think it's important that when we get baptized, we do it with that power and that comes with a change, a desire to change. Yeah. And you, you uh, mentioned a friend of yours, um, and and he's speaking to a, a friend that had already been baptized, didn't know if they needed to be baptized again. I think we need to remember that we can only do so much, and so exactly. I would set that aside and say, okay, well, let's continue on to study and learn about Christ, and and I can only guess that at some time the Holy Spirit, if if it needs be, will will help that person to see, you know what? I need to be baptized again. They'll, they'll feel that need to repent and to do that. Uh, and, and that's up to the spirit of God and not, not us. I mean, you can look at patterns and things in the scriptures and only do so much. Mike, and, Mike that's exactly what my sentiment was too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Good. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 I'm so glad you put it in that framed it like that because 
that is ultimately what it is. We, we probably need to put that aside and let the, the greater work of the Holy Ghost do its work, right? And, yeah. And, and that's what brings people to this change of heart. Um, I wanted to get a, give a couple of references, uh, just extra resources I'll put out links to. Um, a, a few weeks ago, there's a sermon, uh, Brother David Gilmore preached a sermon at Coburn Road, and um, he asked those questions and talked about those questions uh, in Alma that's important for every believer to ask. Have you been born again? Have you been changed? And so that's a good a good resource. Uh, and <laughs> this sounds a little selfish, but I, I'm not— I, I actually preached a few weeks ago at um, summer series at Waldo, and and I felt just on my heart the need to bring out the need for all believers to be changed and have a change of heart and use scriptures to show what God's calling us to do as opposed to what sometimes we put importance on. And so uh, I'll put a link to that as well if you want to listen to that. But uh, what a great what a great question that brought up. It brings up a lot of philosophical um, thoughts. Um, just a great question. So. Yeah, it really is. And I would say, you know, to kind of, to at least from our understanding, to close it is that the the question, the real question, is not to us, but it's to God. It's like, Lord, can can you reveal, um, or can you increase my desire to want this Holy Ghost? Because if someone, if if it's someone you know who they're actually in this situation, or you're just curious about. It's important that we all realize that God wants us. It's required that we have this gift to the Holy Ghost. And if we don't think we ever got it, well, pray to God and he'll He'll open up the way where you can, you know. And uh, the, the way we practice that is through through hands being laid on the head of one by, by people who have received this authority to bestow the Holy Ghost. Um, God can do it with a rushing wind as well, I suppose, and maybe some people have that testimony. But in the end, we all need to have that Holy Ghost, however it comes to us. Yeah, we're told uh, in the Scriptures in no uncertain terms that we are the branches and He is the vine, that we have to be tied to the vine or we can't bring forth any fruit. We just wither and die. And um, that baptism, I believe, is really solidifying that that tying of the branch to the vine. It's that covenant that that brings us into him and allows his spirit to flow through us to do all things that are necessary. The branch has to be tied to the vine. Amen. That's the first step. Amen. So we'll be tied to the vine and tied to each other as we just keep walking each other home. (laughs) New ways every week to say it. I love it, man. (laughs) I kept my shoes on this time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Until next time, God bless.